Welcome to The Details with Elliot Connie and Adam Frower. This is a podcast where we examine the intersection between solution-focused brief therapy and current topics going on in the world. And we do this because we genuinely want the world to be a better place. So enjoy and come examine the details with us. So Adam, let's talk about belief today and the importance of belief or your beliefs when you're doing this work. I think one of the reasons this is so important is because for so long, and I suppose justifiably so, people study how to do solution-focused brief therapy and they focus on the techniques and on the theory. And I'll never forget meeting who is one of my favorite people from the solution-focused community and, and from the history of solution-focused was Eve Lipchick. And I remember seeing Eve Lipchick at a conference all the way back in 2010, the conference we were hanging out at in Malmo, Sweden. And Eve is this very small in stature woman. It was just me and her in the hallway. The, the event was going on and all the workshops and stuff, like all the rooms were packed with people. And I was out in the hallway doing whatever and and Eve comes walking towards me flying a thousand miles an hour and I remember seeing her she had this really big jacket on that went from like all the way down to her ankles and she had a big bag on each shoulder and she stopped me and she said are you Elliot Connie and I said yes and she said you have to fix our biggest mistake from the early Milwaukee team and I said what was that mistake and she said we took for granted that people knew that like the relationship mattered and your belief in people mattered. And we took all those things for granted and we only wrote about and talked about the techniques. So you and your generation have to help people focus beyond the techniques. And for years, if you look back, a lot of my workshops were called beyond the techniques because of that very interaction that I had with Eve. And I think I've spent a lot of my time trying to convey to people, you need to know how to do solution focused, but you also need to know what thoughts you have to hold about people in order to do solution focused. If you use a silly example, you know, I've been around you and your family a lot and you push your children to do things. Like for example, Adam's children are required to practice music. All three of them practice the piano and Adam pushes them to do it because at least one of them doesn't love doing it all the time, but he pushes them to do it because he knows they can. He wouldn't do it if he didn't believe that they could A, practice the piano and B, benefit from practicing the the piano. I think it's kind of the same. Like sometimes our clients don't love answering our questions, or at least they give the appearance of not loving answering our questions. But if you if you don't hold the belief that they can answer your question, and in doing so would be something positive, I don't think you can do solution-focused work. What do you think? You actually stirred up quite a few thoughts and ideas in my head as you were talking. And you kind of hinted at with that idea of my three children and them practicing the piano, you hit at, I do that, I push them because I believe in them, because I I believe in their ability, which is absolutely true. And I think that that my belief in them pushes me to push them, right? That that belief spurs on my action, 
but it also then should impact the kind of action that I engage in. If I'm acting from a place of belief in them, then my action should be supportive. My action should be encouraging. My action, right? So I should, my action should be consistent with that belief in them. The only thing that they get to judge my belief on is how I act toward them. And so I have to, my actions need to be consistent with my belief in them. But I think that that idea also transcends my beliefs, the things that I hold true or kind of the fundamental principles by which I live my life, my beliefs, those should also guide the actions that I pursue. That as a solution-focused brief therapist in this context, I believe that hope is fundamental. So my actions, my questions should engender hope. That I believe that forward thinking, in some sense, planning the future is a useful exercise. And therefore, my questions should reflect that. So when clients come to us and they're looking for change, when they're looking for something to be different in their lives, my beliefs about change and how that happens should guide my actions. And so I think that you're kind of hitting at two different levels. My belief in people should be conveyed by my actions, but also just the fundamental beliefs that I hold should guide the way I live my life. Yeah, and I think I think your client should experience that. Like if I take if I take your three children, for example, so let's say Adam only encouraged or pushed two of his children because those are the two who enjoy it the most. And then that third child, he just never mentions music to. That child will feel like my dad does not believe in me. That child would feel like my dad does not think I can do this or does not think I'm good at this. And I find it funny sometimes and I don't mean to say funny like haha, but I, I am certainly aware that there are times that people ask us questions and it's clear to me in the question that the therapist has lost belief in that client. And I think like people look to us like, Elliot, what do you say? It's hard for me to answer that because it's like, it's not in what you say. It's in the stuff behind what you say that needs to change. It's your attitude that needs to change. It's your stance that needs to change. I can't tell you what to say, but I can tell you the positionality from which to say it. I think it's so hard to, for people to understand that. Like you convey a sense of belief. And there's this really funny story. I always tell people it's totally true. When I was in high school, I was very, very good at baseball. I made the varsity team at a young age. I was at a, I was young for my grade. And even at that point I was even young. So I was 15 when I made the varsity baseball team. I remember being so nervous playing varsity baseball. And I remember there was a, the position I played was catcher. And there was a guy there who was really good. His name is Pat Mason. You can look him up. Pat Mason, he's now a, a D1 baseball coach. He was a couple years older than me, 17, 18 years old. And I'm 15 years old. I'm super nervous. He played my position. I make the team. And I knew I wasn't going to play because Pat Mason was like, you know, this great catcher. So one day the coach comes to me and he's like, we want you to play. So we're going to put you in left field, which is not really a position I played a whole lot of, but we want you to play. 
And that particular game, we were playing a pitcher who was like really, really good. He threw a really, really fast fastball. Those of you who understand baseball a little bit, he threw about 90 miles an hour, which is a lot for a high school kid and a lot for a 15-year-old to try to hit. And I walked up to the plate when it was my turn to hit, and it was late in the game. There was a lot on the line, and I was so nervous. I was so incredibly nervous, and my coach could see it. My coach could see that I was nervous, so he calls timeout. And he says, Connie, come over here. Coach P he was this old Italian guy. He's like, Connie, come over here. And I go over there and he goes, are you nervous? And I said, no. And he shook me and he said, yes, you are. And he said, do you know why you were on varsity? Why you made this team at such a young age? And I said, no, coach. And he said, because I've been watching you play and you're very, very good. He said, you have a beautiful swing. Like the way you swing the bat is beautiful and it's perfect for guys who throw hard fastballs like this guy. You wouldn't be here if I didn't think you weren't perfect for positions and situations like this. So Elliot, I want you to go up there. I want you to remember that you have a perfect swing and when he throws you a fastball, just swing at it and whatever happens, we will live with but I want you to know you're here because I've been watching you and you're ready. And I said, all right, coach. And I went up to the plate and I swung the bat eventually. And I got a hit that helped us win the game. And after the game, we're all celebrating. And I grabbed my coach and I said, coach, how did you know my swing was perfect for a guy who threw a hard fastball? And I'll never forget my coach said, I didn't. I just needed you to calm down. And I remember thinking, even as like a 15-year-old, that was probably my first lesson in the power of belief. Like my coach believed in me and he needed me to believe in myself in order to have success. And sometimes what makes you successful in solution-focused brief therapy, like it's not the questions. Believe it or not, it really isn't. It's the stance that you take in that moment that helps the client experience like someone believes in me. Because in essence, if you're asking me about the presence of my desired outcome, on some level, you believe I can achieve that desired outcome. So if you give up asking about the desired outcome, that means on some level, you think I can't have my desired outcome. And it's really that clear, it's really that simple, and it's really that black and white. You said so many important things in there, but I think one of the things that's really, really valuable in there is there's also a difference between the short term and the long term, right? That in the short term, we convey, you can do this in this moment, right? Kind of going back to that example of my kids, I have this one kid who doesn't really like to practice and I convey belief in him that he can play a particular piece that even though it's hard, even though he's stumbled, even though he's made mistakes several times, I convey, you can do it this time, this next time, right? And the point of that in the long run isn't so that he can play a particular piece perfectly. It's so that he can develop the skills that maybe he's going to apply to the piano, but maybe he's going to apply 
to some other completely unrelated task, right? Maybe at some point he's going to be a graphic designer or at some point maybe he'll be a truck driver or whatever it is. But the skills that he's developing in that moment are things like persistence, things like dedication, things like not giving up, things like being willing to try again when I fail, right? All of those things. So I convey in the short term, you can do this, hoping that the skills that he learns and the confidence that he builds will carry him through in other moments when he's doing different things and even perhaps when I'm not there, right? And so in some sense, that belief that we convey in people Sometimes I think people get lost in solution-focused sessions, and I think sometimes people get lost in life because they think that the belief that we're conveying is you can play the piano. But in reality, we're conveying you're the kind of person who can do difficult things, just like you were, like you were taught you can hit this ball because you believe in yourself. And later in life, now you're a psychotherapist, you believe when you hit really tough sessions, you can do that because you were built for this particular moment. Um, so really, I think when we convey our belief in people, we're not conveying, it's not like we're showering them with empty compliments. Right. But what we're doing is we're seeing them for the capacity for which they have. And then later on, they also catch that vision of the capacity they have and they begin to interact with all kinds of difficult circumstances from a place of capacity. So when we're conveying belief in people, it's about their ultimate ability, not a particular situation. It's not necessarily even about that thing. Like what my coach taught me in that moment it wasn't just about baseball. And he was totally the kind of guy that was teaching you life lessons through baseball. But what he taught me in that moment was I can do difficult things. And I never forgot it. Like I, I honestly, throughout different periods of my life, I think back to that particular moment in my life. And I think if I could do that, I could climb the next hurdle that I'm facing. Whether or not I became a great professional baseball player or not, that wasn't his point. He wanted me to know that I could do difficult things when necessary. And he wanted me to know, and I remember talking to him about this, the first point of success is the most important because that's where you build evidence of your skill set. So that was actually my first success in the high school baseball level. And it built from there. And that was also my first success of something. Like, I remember that was my first meaningful thing when I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And that was the first time I proved myself wrong. And I've thought about that often. So like, who cares if your child becomes like the greatest pianist in the world? That's not the point. The point is for your son to know I can practice and learn lessons just from the journey. Like, it's not necessarily about becoming a good pianist. On some level, I probably assume you believe he can become a great pianist if he wants to. But what I know is what you believe is he can get better. And the lesson is, if I work hard at stuff, I improve. 
and I can do things that I like don't want to do and improve. And I think we have to remember that. The biggest issue that I see people using solution-focused brief therapy, and like this is super honest, is they give up. That's the biggest thing they do. And they don't realize they do it because nobody like as a psychotherapist would like overtly and even like in the front of their mind, like give up on a client. Like, you know, I'm seeing this Adam Frower guy as a client and he stinks. I don't want to work. Like, that's not how it works. But like I ask Adam, what do you best hope from our talking? And Adam says, I don't know. I don't really want to be here. Their language turns into like the lack of belief language because you start thinking, oh, I'm talking to a client who doesn't know why they're here and doesn't know how to answer these questions. And that belief informs what you do next. And I think it is so important to have a stubborn belief in human change when you're doing this work, because we can never forget, we're not meeting them in one of their peaks, we're meeting them in one of their valleys. And we can never forget that. Like if I'm ever talking to Adam Brower in a therapy session, I'm not talking to the, I accomplished all of these things, Adam Frower. I'm not talking to the, I'm a proud dad, Adam Frower. I'm not talking to the, I'm a wonderful person, Adam Frower. I'm talking to the, I just got fired, Adam Frower. I'm talking to the Adam Frower who's doubting, maybe there's something wrong with me because I got all these, you know, all these problems and flaws and their language will reflect it. I happen to know Adam Frower is one of the best human beings I've ever met. So if I said to Adam, what are you hoping for your future? I'll get an answer that fits with, I have a healthy belief in myself, my abilities and my life. So Adam, what do you want for your future? I want you know my wife and I to do this, this and this. And I want my kids and I to do this, this and this. But if I ask the Adam that thinks he's a jerk, that's made some mistakes in his life and that's been dealing with some loss, I say, Adam, what do you want in your life? First thing you're gonna think is, I don't know if, I'll, if I can have anything. So I would get answers that fit with, with that. And I think sometimes we forget, this is not a peak career that we've chosen. It's a valley career and we meet people in their valleys. Yeah, and I think, I think one of the things that's connected to that too is the idea of belief doesn't just come, right? Belief takes work, whether that's belief in other people, whether that's belief in myself. And one of the things I think that's super fundamental to this is that we have to be deliberate about developing belief. Just like you talked about in baseball where you practiced and you got better, that was kind of a fundamental moment for you and it built from there. And just like I talked about, you know, I hope that my kids are learning skills now that are, they're gonna be able to utilize later. I think belief is the same. I think that belief starts with this self-examination to say, what is important to me? What principles do I want to found my actions on? And only when we have a really clear picture of what's important and why we do what we do, can our actions then be consistent with that? Because now we, we're deliberately practicing those beliefs. We're deliberately practicing those principles that are gonna help us to get better at those important values. And so I think oftentimes with that client that you were mentioning, and when the therapist gives up on them, it's in those moments where they've forgotten what are the foundational principles, what are the foundational beliefs of this approach? Inherent in that is, I have to believe in my client. 
And when I forget that fundamental principle, I start doing things that are opposed to that principle. One of the foundational things is we have to be so clear on what underlies why we do what we do. And then we have to work deliberately at making sure our actions stay consistent with those beliefs. When we get lost in a session or when we are practicing the piano and we feel like we need to give up, we're no longer remembering those fundamental principles and therefore our actions are inconsistent with that. So part of this is simply remembering what's important to us. So you said like we have to do this deliberately. What's an exercise we can leave people with that would help them deliberately build their belief? It comes down for me to making a list, right? Whether that's a list of these are my fundamental values, my fundamental beliefs, the things that should guide my actions, or a list of what do I know about myself that lets me know I am capable of doing the things that I want to do, right? So why should I believe in me? So I think either one of those lists would be really, really useful of what are my fundamental beliefs or why am I worth being believed in? Okay, so let's ask people to make both of those lists. What are your fundamental beliefs that are related to you being a psychotherapist? And what is it about you that should allow people to believe in you, right? So I'm gonna ask people to make both of those lists. Adam, this is awesome. Thanks, bud. Absolutely, thank you.